Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ugh. Hey. He's going to make a bassoon joke. Is that a bassoon in your hand or are you just pleased to see me? Would you say that to your son? When he has his bassoon, sure. But... He's never pleased to see me, so... It doesn't even make sense. Why would a bassoon in my hand... Like a dick in your hand. Oh, right, so if I was walking towards you with an amputated dick in my hand, you'd think I was horny. Well, I'd assume that you had been. Certainly wouldn't put it past you to chop a dick off. <sighs> put the guinea pig down. Hello, and welcome to The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. On today's show, I got to talk to one of my favorite comic actors, Brett Gelman. Brett is in pretty much everything on TV, but you can really hear me fanboy out over Fleabag Season 2, which I've watched uh, at least four times, if not more, at this point. Brett plays Martin, the creepy brother-in-law to Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, and he is so, so funny in the show. We talked about how he got that part at the very last minute, how he feels about playing various shades of toxic masculinity in most of his roles, and a lot more. Brett also teased a new project he wants to make that is inspired by Kanye West, so you'll have to listen to the show to hear more about that. Before we get to Brett, I want to remind you again to please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Let us know who your favorite guest has been so far. Who else do you want to see on the show? And uh, just let us know what you're thinking. So uh, it really helps people find the show, and I hope you can uh, do that. So without further ado, let's get to my interview with Brett Gelman pretty color on this microphone <laughs> yeah i like it <laughs> um well uh thank you for doing this thank um, you i you know yeah it's great to be here i i not only wanted to talk to you because you're you know a beard idol of mine um oh really but uh <laughs> but uh also because of Fleab- you have a tremendous beard oh thank you i was just fishing for a compliment there. no you look great uh, um but uh also fleabag um is where i really want to start and and yes talk a lot about that because I've become um, slightly obsessed with especially the second season, mm-hmm. as a lot of people have, I think. R- yes. I've somehow watched the whole thing four times through wow. already because yeah. I watched it by myself, and then I was my, I watched it with my wife, and then we've had other people over to watch it. Because you can kind of watch the whole thing in one or two it's sittings. A, it's a, yeah, the like the whole series or the, season? Well, even, well, you could watch the whole series in one, in, in one sitting, but really the second season or series, yeah, or a, however we want to call it. It's a uh, it's pretty three incredible. hour movie. It's a three hour yeah. movie. The second season. Um, yeah. So uh, so I really want to get into that um, and talk about it. So how did you how did you kind of get involved in that to begin <laughs> with? Because uh, I know you were kind of cast at the at the last minute, right? I was. Yeah, it was a really very strange occurrence. My uh, me becoming involved with the show. Yeah, I got a uh, call on a Wednesday from an Amazon executive. Who's an old friend of mine named Ryan Andalina. Mm-hmm. It was a like, it was like at nine p.m. <laughs> yeah, and he calls me and he's like, "Hey man, uh, so there we've uh, acquisitioned the show from the BBC. Uh, it's called Fleabag. It's based on the uh, one person show of this incredibly talented writer performer Phoebe Waller Bridge. Um, she did it at Edinburgh and it was a real." smash there and uh i don't think he said smash uh <laughs> but um yeah we shot the pilot and we have the rest of the scripts and we think that you'd be perfect for this character the, the character of her brother-in-law mm-hmm. um so we're gonna send it all over to you and you know tell us what you think i was like wow great he's like yeah i would shoot in london for like a month i had never been to london yeah so. and you're in la at this point or uh yeah, yeah. i'm in los angeles and uh and I had never been to London, mm-hmm. and it's you know the probably the number one place that I wanted to go, yeah. just because uh, there's so many things that have come out of that country mm-hmm. and that city that mean a lot to me. And uh, 
And so I just was like, you know, I was like, well, this is going to really have to be a piece of shit to justify <laughs> me not going to London. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I watched the pilot. And oh, and so I was just like, yeah, so uh, yeah, I'll check it out. And he's like, great. If you can let me know uh, really soon, because your <laughs> first day of shooting will be Tuesday, which wow. was like five days from then. Yeah. So I had to... <laughs> I had to, I watched the pilot and I was like, well, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, read, I skimmed the scripts. Yeah. I didn't feel the need to read all of them at that point. Yeah. And I just told him, uh, yes. And what were your first impressions of Phoebe Waller-Bridge when you, when you got to meet her when you went over? Oh, immediately lovely. I mean, her and Harry, Harry Bradbeard, the director of the mm-hmm. show, um, who's her partner in crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of her partners in crime, they uh, <laughs> got there and I shot like that first day. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. I was <laughs> Do you remember the first, super uh, the first thing you shot? What was the first thing we shot? I mean, we shot a bunch my first day. We mm-hmm. shot the scene in the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, that might have been the first thing that we shot. Yeah. The scene in the bar where uh, we're talking after our, you know, uh, before we go to, to the shoe store, I believe. We also shot the shoe store, I think, that day. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I mean, Phoebe and Harry were immediately, it's, they were lovely, you know. Yeah. Most, most, most people from the UK, they're like immediately lovely. <laughs> they might be hating you. Uh, <laughs> but deep. they seem very lovely. But no, but they make you think that they're at least uh, graciously tolerating you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> no, but they came into my trailer and I could tell that they were a little wary. I mean, they had never met me. Mm-hmm. And I do. And, uh, and I think that it was Amazon's idea that I take this role. Mm-hmm. Was it always um, an American? Uh... No, it was a Scot. Oh really? And they were in the. That's the. So do you think they had someone cast that they that fell out, or do you know? I think so. Yeah, I think it seems like it. I if think it was if you're getting a call, minute. yeah, I think <laughs> if you're getting a call with less than a week, yeah, uh, someone was uh, mm. was sacked. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I don't know who. Yeah, I don't know who. Yeah. I, I honestly don't. Um, but uh, yeah, they uh, they they seemed wary, and, they, and you know, we talked about the character, and they were they just made sure that I was. Someone on board, you know, mm-hmm. on on the same page as them, yeah. as uh, as how the character was going to be, and they liked what I had to say. And then by the time that we were shooting, we had shot a few scenes. It was I I felt that uh, that uh, you know, not judgment, but you know that wariness leave. Mm, yeah, they trust um, they trusted you a little bit at that. Point. Yes, <laughs> they did, and and but it, and it becomes clear too that like you know it's. She's, I mean, she's immediately lovely. Mm-hmm. She's immediately a person with a vision, though, as well. Yeah, you're you're coming into a room. You yeah, you get it, this with with. It feels very um, choreographed and specific. And, Incredibly. Uh, so I imagine there was not a lot of room for for improv. Is it? Is it very absolutely not? Scripted? No, yeah. no. And you want to get all of her mm-hmm. words word yeah. perfect because it's uh, delicious writing. It's yeah. really incredible. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, with her and with with others that I work with, I I don't I don't really bring up improvisation. Of course, something can come up. Mm-hmm. There's like little moments that can come up, and uh, and sometimes it's like finding it. So it's her, you know, bouncing things off a little bit mm-hmm. for to make the moment because she's so precise. So it's you know, how do we do this yeah. here? Um, yeah, she rewrote a lot of my scenes in season two, like five minutes before we shot Really? Them. Be just because, uh... Because we would show up and she would be like, this is shit, and <laughs> this isn't good. I was like, well, this is really brilliant, I think. She's like, no, 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 no. And then we'd sit there and she'd sort of, you know, use me and uh, a few others as a sounding board, and mm-hmm. then, uh, and then she'd present the new script, and you're like, oh, well, no, it is better. <laughs> Do you remember an example of that, or one scene that really changed because of discussions I'm, that you My had? monologue... My monologue at the end at of the end. season two. Listen to me. I just, I have... I think he has a little speech. I have a little speech that's building here. Now, I know you look at me and you see a bad man with a big beard. You are an alcoholic and you tried it on with my sister. Fine. I tried to kiss your sister on her birthday. 
My birthday. Fine, I mix up birthdays and I have an alcohol problem just like everyone else in this fucking country. But I am here and I do things. I pick up Jake from shit. I make dessert for Easter. I organize the downstairs toilet. I fired the humming cleaner. You enjoyed that. I hoovered the car. I put up all your certificates and I don't make you feel guilty for not having sex with me. I am not a bad guy. I just have a bad personality. It's not my fault. Some people are born with fucked personalities. Look at Jake. He is so creepy. It's not his fault. Why the bassoon? You want to know what the bassoon is? It's a cry for help. The main fucking problem here is that you don't like me. And that has been breaking my fucking heart for 11 years. I love you, I make you laugh. I'm a douche, but I make you laugh. You said that that was the most important thing. I think the thing that you hate the most about yourself is that you actually love me. So I am not going to leave you until you are down on your knees. Begging me. Please leave me. Your character, Martin, has this incredible arc over the course of the second season leading up to that monologue where, you know, we're pretty... He's he, he's definitely an uh, antagonist uh, for most of the, the series. But yeah. then there's this really lovely, you know, kind of sympathetic moment that you get at the end with that monologue. And you said that it was kind of re- rewritten right before... So was that part of the discussion? Or what, what did it look like before it was rewritten? I really don't remember, mm-hmm. actually. Because, I mean, in all honesty, I, I thought it was incredible. Mm-hmm. So, But I showed up to set, and then she was like, this is shit. And I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> and when I say, like, this is shit, it's think of somebody who, when they say this is shit, it's, like, still, like, yeah. beautiful. And she's, sweet. like, describing yeah. a dessert that she had yeah. last night. <laughs> uh, um, but... Um, She's like, yeah, this just doesn't sound like you. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like Martin. Yeah. I have to make it sound like him. And so on the ride to set, she was rewriting it. Uh, and then there was a scene that we shot before we shot that. So while we were while I was acting that scene, I would be on my break memorizing the monologue mm-hmm. and rehearsing it with her and with Harry and with Sean. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean that moment where you you know you scream, "I'm not a bad I I'm not a bad guy. I just have a bad personality." Yes. Has become kind of a, a a mantra for that character. I think that's that's what people think of w- with that character now. Do yeah, that, does that stand out for you I, in that I, way? The whole time I was playing him, you know, I I have you, you're not judging your character right. while you're you playing him, yeah. and then you're also in a comedy. Mm-hmm. And Phoebe makes it very clear that like this is a comedy, like because <laughs> I would I would really sort of uh, dramatically mess it up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, not not the lines, but the uh, the timing, mm-hmm. and and she would be like, no 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 no, this is a comedy, like make sure to mm-hmm. to play a comedy, yeah, and so then you have to meet that that level comedically mm-hmm. and so that means intensifying all of the justifications and psychology of the character to heighten it to this way which then i guess meant heightening his anger and his sense of betrayal i mean for me like it's all about that the character has the sense of betrayal that mm-hmm. that he is alone he is in this failing marriage he hates himself he's an alcoholic he knows that he is completely fucked up yeah and you know, in the first season, he had a chance to connect with someone. Because, I mean, and we said this to each other. We were like, you know, Fleabag and Martin are actually the two most similar characters in this show. Mm, yeah. They both are on the outside. They both connect, you know, they both use humor as a way to, uh, you know, act out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they both have like this, this distinct sense of self hatred. But season two is sort of a, you know, it's about Fleabag rising out of that a bit mm-hmm. and very much about Martin sinking into it more. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so that last monologue, it it, it all, it, it's not, it wasn't as big of a surprise to me just because of, in my mind, what his arc was through season two. Mm-hmm. And it really was just that he knows that his life is falling apart and that 
he's going to lose her, but... Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where you think he might not, and she might, uh, you know, uh, forgive him, yeah. uh, um, the Claire character, in some way. But then, of course, she there's that hilarious moment where she gets down on her knees uh, to bed. Yeah. I mean, it's all about, like, it is going back to that line, mm-hmm. you know, some some people aren't bad. They just have, a, I'm not bad. I have a bad personality. I, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. You, you feel sometimes that, that oh, wow, can I change? Mm-hmm. Is it actually possible to change? And I think this is a big theme of the show. Yeah. Or or am I just fucked? Do yeah. I just have this person? Am I cursed? Mm-hmm. Was I born with this person? And is there no shaking this? Yeah. You feel like you can relate to that in your own life? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no. I in, At times when I've felt <laughs> I can relate to every aspect of, of Martin mm-hmm. uh, besides like uh, the <laughs> like full on aggression towards women but uh (laughs) yeah uh you know but that you have to but from where that's coming from from the starting point i can certainly relate Mm -hmm. to how would you describe the type of character that you've often been hired to portray um whether it's martin is a good example of it thinking about the character on love who's the station director who has a contentious relationship with um with uh gillian's character yeah um you know how how would you how would you describe also, that that person? The Isaac from Lemon, mm-hmm. which yeah, absolutely. Film. You know, these are. I think that's almost the the ultimate uh, version of it. In, in some yeah. ways, I think a lot of it is about uh, you know, um, it's. I mean, yeah, it's a level of it's all these different shades of toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I think that people like to cast me in those roles. And I mean, of course, I co-wrote Lemon mm-hmm. uh, because I enjoy diving into flaws. Mm-hmm. You know, not that uh, not that I don't enjoy playing less flawed characters, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think that I'd like to think that I humanize these guys mm-hmm. and give them some empathy and make people scared that they might relate to certain aspects of them. Yeah. Uh, and I grew up like loving loving actors who played these types of yeah, characters. Like who? I mean, I worshipped Danny DeVito when mm. I when I was a kid. I loved John Larroquette, mm-hmm. a night court. Mm-hmm. When I got older, I loved, you know, Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. Uh so it's like playing these these really flawed, toxic men who are who are caught in this in this downward spiral and and there's certainly many points in my life and i don't know point every day where you know you i don't necessarily go down the spiral but i see it there mm-hmm. and uh it's great to be able to exercise that in my acting yeah do you feel like there's a, a catharsis for you to play those those characters absolutely. and get, get something out absolutely I don't walk away from a day of working on those characters uh, feeling worse. I feel better. Mm, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and they're all, and it's also, you know, it's about fragility, privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys think that they deserve more than they get. And there's a big resentment for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a definite definite form of privilege yeah uh something that's come up i was reading you know old interviews with you um the issue of unlikable characters uh comes up a lot and i know you have uh you know strong feelings about that do you do you feel like that's getting better this this idea that unlikable characters are not allowed to be on tv because it does seem like there are more and more of them whether audiences are are enjoying them or oh, not i think they have always been allowed to be on tv yeah. i just am always surprised when people come out and 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 say that this is uh that that you know they they say the name the word unlikable almost like it's new mm-hmm. yeah uh and it's like well i don't know king lear <laughs> is a pretty unlikable <laughs> character if you look at yeah. it you know blah uh blanche dupont you know Mm-hmm. Amanda from Glass Menagerie is a pretty unlikable character, I mm-hmm. guess. But you, why? Why else are we watching art if not to see? We're not. It's not like a perfect person party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that people are definitely in television. I really leaning into that more. Mm-hmm. 
but you also have to keep leaning into it and it can it's there's different stages of being afraid of presenting that mm-hmm. i mean the the critical success and now uh all these emmy nominations for fleabag i think is a good endorsement of of that um yeah that it's really being embraced i think um, she's done a genre of a sh- of this show which is this you know female driven show that mm-hmm. is like feminist and i think that she's nailed it the best uh, because she has leaned into the flaws so unapologetically mm-hmm. and and humanistically, yeah, in a way that uh, not many artists have, you know, I'm not, and 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 that's why uh, people are freaking out about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she's said uh, that this is it in terms of the two seasons <laughs> that it's over. Right? Uh, do you? <laughs> If she would, you want to do more of it? If of she, of course, yeah, do it. Do it for a year. I, I will do anything that mm-hmm. that 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 person asks me to do. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder. She's talked about how it's. She feels like the character has you know reached this endpoint, and and it, there is something very. She no, always feels that yeah way. noble about about walking <laughs> about walking away from something and not letting it you know get past the. The I, I mean, date, part of but... what makes her such an incredible artist is she's very much in the moment with what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now she doesn't want to do another season. Mm-hmm. Could she change her mind? Absolutely. Could yeah. she not? Totally. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I hope that she changes her mind. Yeah. Or if she doesn't, I hope that uh, she makes something else and then puts me in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> James Bond, isn't she doing something with, uh, with James yes, Bond? Yes, yes. You're not the James next Bond. James Bond, are you? Uh, no, no, I would love to. I would love <laughs> to be. I, I, I would love to be a James Bond villain. I could see that. I, I, I definitely think I was like, wow. I mean, really, uh, Martin's a pretty good, uh, pretty good audition for a for a super villain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, in a franchise. Yeah. yeah. That would be good. (laughs) Coming up, Brett talks about how he thought he was too good for improv comedy before he saw his first show at UCB. So I want to go back a little bit. Uh, You grew up in uh, the suburbs of Chicago in, in Highland Park, right? Yeah. yeah, I actually have some family in Highland Park, so I know it. Uh, oh, I know well, it well, yeah, hence the self hatred. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Highland Park and all my characters. Yeah, or um, me as a you know my reaction to it. Yeah. What What was your relationship to comedy growing up? Were you uh, obsessed? Were you, yeah. Yeah. What were you? What were your big things that you that you loved? Well, I mean, uh, the Marx Brothers. Mm-hmm. That's what made me want to do it. Like six years old, mm-hmm. I saw a night at the opera. Was that something your uh, parents showed you? My or how uncle, did you... my uncle was like doing their voices one day in the car, and I was like, "What's that?" Because mm-hmm. there's no better voices yeah. than Groucho and Chico, and I think he was doing he was doing a routine. I think like you know, the you know you can't fool me. There ain't no sanity clause routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing from Night at the Opera, something like that, uh, and and I was like, "Who is that?" And he's like, "Oh, that's the Marx Brothers. You should." check them out Mm -hmm. and so then i went to the library and rented a night at the opera this is when we rented the only place to rent videos Mm -hmm. from was the library this was in 1954 (laughs) Uh, and uh and then i watched it i of course didn't understand any of the things that groucho or chico were saying Mm -hmm. i i got a good view into what harpo was doing Mm -hmm. the physical comedy yeah harpo can reach a a young age Mm -hmm. Uh, but I knew that what Groucho and Chico were saying was was amazing, mm-hmm. and Groucho's voice in particular, mm-hmm. it like was like the it is still the finest music to my ear. Yeah, and then where and then where did and you kind of like, go from there in your I, in your I comedy? Went, uh, I went. Uh, I mean, like Mel Brooks yeah. was the next thing. So mm-hmm. that was, I think, the holy trinity of comedic movies are uh, the producers, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I think those are the three funniest films ever made. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, and then, you know, 2000 year old man and all of his other films too. I love. Uh, and, um, and then, yeah, I just was, I was upset. I mean, the old Saturday night live guys, you know, it was mm-hmm. the eighties. So it was like, it was like, you know, especially Bill Murray mm-hmm. coming out with uh, so many classic movies. Yeah. And were you aware of, uh, you know, second city being so close to, to where you were by the time I got people had come out of there. Yeah. By the time I got old, a little older, I Mm -hmm. was, uh, I was, I was aware. I went there one time on my birthday, my parents took me there and we saw the main stage show and, uh, Stephen Colbert 
what they do at Second City yeah. is they'll come out in a sketch, and if they know it's somebody's birthday, they'll say their character's <laughs> name is that person. Oh, and, really? And Colbert came out and said, hello, I'm Brett Gelman. That's hilarious. That's <laughs> crazy. That's great. Uh, have, yeah. have, have you told him that uh, story? I think I have. Yeah. I think I have. I don't think he would remember. I, yeah. mean, I don't know if he would even remember meeting me. Mm-hmm. Um, we've like spent a little time here and there. I did like a short bit on his show years ago, mm, yeah. and then I was backstage at an event that he was in, and mm-hmm. we were somehow in the same like holding room, mm-hmm. uh, just me and him, mm-hmm. and he was so incredibly nice. That's great. Uh, I mean, he's incredible. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, um, you know, I got exposed to Monty Python. And of course, Chaplin was like huge mm-hmm. for me. Around, yeah. You know, it was one of the hugest um, people for me early on. You eventually uh, studied theater in college. Did yeah. you, were you always at that point thinking about comedy or were you thinking about um, doing dramatic work or what was, what, how did you imagine this would, this would go? (laughs) Um, Well, I, well, in high school, my high school had a great theater department. Mm. So that's where I really started to learn about theater Mm -hmm. and where I started to get more connected to more dramatic things as well. And, uh, but I always, you know, people always were more inclined to cast me in comedy and Mm -hmm. put me, you know, not everybody can do comedy. Yeah. It's, you can't, you can teach everyone to, you can teach a lot of people how to act. You can't, it's, you can't really teach people how to be funny. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, uh, yeah, but I, I was, uh, I was training in that way though, the whole time. It's not like they were training me just to be a comedic actor. You know, mm-hmm. it was a classical training program. Yeah. So it's uh, it was really intense. Do you feel like you uh, still use things that you learned in that program today? Absolutely. Yeah. Every day when I'm walking down the street, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm aligning my, the back of my neck, right. <laughs> Alexander technique. Yeah, a lot of movement. Uh, yeah, no, it was you know, it was really like tuning in your tuning your body to. Uh, to do the hardest writing mm-hmm. that's ever been written, which mm-hmm. is Shakespeare. Yeah. So uh, I, it was great. I mean, it really, and it definitely propelled. So once I got to New York and I started doing UCB, I think I rose up in the ranks there pretty fast because it was so early on there. I was one mm-hmm. of the only people who knew how to be on a stage. Yeah. So yeah. What year was that that you that you started working with them? <sighs> or do we know? Nineteen ninety nine. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, 20, those, those are early days. Twenty years ago. Wow, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, what was that like? Uh, did you did you feel like you had found your your people when you got to UCB? Um, did you? Yeah, of course. Like at first, I like was like had snubbed it. My friend John Daly, who was mm-hmm. only at my school at North Carolina for like two years, mm-hmm. he had left and went to New York, and uh, he was like, you know, you got to check out this place. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's a show here called Ass Cat. Andy Richter does it sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that was the only, you know, person that I would know who was yeah. who was doing it. At he that was time. already on Conan. By, at exactly. Point, yeah. yeah. And uh, and so he's like, this is the best improvising that I've ever seen. Yeah. And. And so I, uh, I was like, well, no, well, maybe if I have like some time, I'm going to be a Broadway star. <laughs> yeah. So then you do the whole like consortium for all the, you know, like old battle axe agents mm-hmm. yeah. and, and casting directors when right before it changed a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that time they were only taking like, can you be on a soap? Oh, yeah. And I felt very good about my scenes. I, you know, Your but I auditions for soaps and for the, no for the for Broadway for these you know agents mm-hmm. that would yeah. then you know hopefully realize your broadway mm-hmm. dreams which they of course wouldn't do yeah that would of course still take time <laughs> uh and so but i wasn't signed by anybody and like i remember like one agent like had a like a courtesy meeting with me and she mm-hmm. was like yeah you're a character actor kid you'll you'll work when you're 50 mm-hmm. uh i proved her wrong uh and uh so then i was i i like i have to be on stage you know i have to act Mm -hmm. this i i start to feel like i'm yeah like shriveling away if i don't do it for a certain amount of time so i just yeah i started taking classes there and i felt immediately i was like oh my god this is incredible Mm -hmm. this is so amazing and uh yeah i got addicted to it and addicted to the theater and i owe 
I, I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for the Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah. Do you feel like when you look back, is there a moment that you feel like was your, you know, cliche big break or first thing that you really felt uh, that you were recognized for? That's like a multi-layered question because, like, in some ways, like, like the first thing that I ever felt like I really was like, this is my, you know, this is something that people, some people are seeing that I'm proud of was this thing that I did for Funny or Die Presents called One Thousand Cats, which mm-hmm. was this uh, one-man musical that I had done at UCB for like on and off for like eight years. Uh, that like Andrew Steele and well Jason Wallner. Mm-hmm. was asked what he wanted to do for this for their series you know on hbo and then he was like well one of the things i want to do is this and uh we were talking about scott ackerman before mm-hmm. and so like scott uh ackerman and then bj porter who was also they were a team at that point and they were both running comedy death ray before it was comedy bang bang now it's out here yeah LA. and they yeah. let they they let me perform it before Death Ray one night so that Andrew Steele, Head of Funny or Die, could come and see it. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, this is great, but I need uh, McKay to see it. Mm. Adam <laughs> yeah. McKay, yeah. Yes. Uh, heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, uh, and then Scott and BJ graciously were like, no, you can do it next week so Adam can come. Mm. And then McKay came and brought his kid, <laughs> brought uh, his daughter <laughs> to watch 1,000 Cats. Yeah. Which, <laughs> And then how did yeah, that go? It went great. Yeah. And then uh, and then HBO hated it when we filmed it. <laughs> it was supposed to be twelve minutes. It was seventeen. They were like, "You gotta like cut this down or yeah. cut this up." Throughout the whole the show episode. was only like thirty minutes, right? Right. And the, and Andrew was like, and I was like, "Okay, well, let's do it." And Andrew was like, "No, no, 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 no. This has got to be how it is." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "We'll get Will to call HBO <laughs> if Will likes it." Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Yeah. And then uh, and then Will Ferrell saved it. Yeah. Watched it, liked That's it. Great. And then and then like the next highlight I would say that was like a big point for me was when I did the other guys. Mm, yeah. With that Adam McKay directing and yeah. yeah. And Will Farrell acting and like that was two of the best days of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really uh what made it so great? Um that I we laughed like for two days straight. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And then to have to be improvising with Will Ferrell and, and Mark Wahlberg and, and Natalie Zia and like uh, it was just a it felt like a magical scene mm-hmm. and to have those guys like giving me lines to say mm-hmm. and uh, and then improvising and making them laugh I mean these guys were like you know these were the titans you know this is like coming up at UCP it was like these were the guys I mean I would watch you know I was watching Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live yeah and then watching. Adam's writing on Saturday Night Live and directing on Saturday Night Live when he would do his short films, which I loved. And uh, and then watching Adam perform at UCB sometimes mm-hmm. and being like one of the most brilliant improvisers I'd ever seen, ever. And uh, I don't know, it was like, yeah, these heroes. And then they were like taking me under their wing and I was doing them proud. Did you ever audition for SNL? <laughs> sort of. Sort of? I, I mean... Uh, it was a favor to Horatio Sands, mm-hmm. you know, who's a very dear letting you of mine. letting you audition was a favor to Horatio. He just Sands. was like, yeah, he was. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh one dot com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. It's like, let my buddy Brett audition, <laughs> and everybody loves Raj. That's what, mm-hmm. what yeah, they yeah. call him. And so it was like at the nightclub. It wasn't like in the mm-hmm. room. It wasn't yeah. a real audition. Mm-hmm. It was basically like, all right, get him up and get him out of mm-hmm. here. Uh, and then like making tapes for them and things like that. And mm-hmm. then sometimes there would be showcases for Lauren at mm-hmm. UCB. Yeah. Was that something that you really wanted, or did oh, you definitely, of, yeah, definitely, that was like mm-hmm. a dream. But uh, now looking at where I'm at, uh, it makes sense that I did not do it. Yeah, I don't I, regret no, it totally. at all. 
Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about is the uh, the dinner series of specials uh, oh, for Adult Swim, which I, which I love. Thank you. Um, and are Thank so great. You. For anyone who hasn't seen them, uh, you can find them on some on YouTube and on Adult Swim's uh, website. Um, and, well, can you describe what the original concept was for this and, and in case people don't know? Yeah, the original concept was basically to have a comedy special around a dinner table. Mm-hmm. Originally, there were like lots of bits at the table, like me doing characters and things like that. And uh, you know, to Mike Lazo's credit, he told me and Jason Wolner, who co-wrote them and co-created it and then directed it, uh, he he's you know was like this stuff like the bits around the table. It's like I just thought it was going to be Brett fucking with somebody at the, uh, around the dinner table. <laughs> I can swear, right? Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Okay. Uh, and and so that was actually a great note. And that mm-hmm. that is, you know, to to Lazo's credit, I mean, you know, we've had some disagreements, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, but Mike was like, it was a great note. He he was he's very good at giving a simple note like that, and so we took that and we sort of turned it into this sort of funny games type thing of this sadistic host just deciding to psychologically. And physically, in some cases, <laughs> torture his guests. Yeah. And then, uh, and so that was Dinner with Friends with Brett Gelman and Brett Gelman's friends. Mm-hmm. And then the second mm-hmm. one was about family and yeah. family dysfunction. And that was uh, Dinner with uh, Family with Brett Gelman and Brett Gelman's family. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, Jason and I, I think we're both dealing with a lot of family things. I mean, we're Jews, so, you know, you're going <laughs> to have a lot of s- stuff to go on. And, uh, and then the third one, we wanted to do something on race. Yeah, and I mean, so that was Dinner in America with Brett Gelman and Brett Gelman's uh, Dinner in America with Brett Gelman. Sorry, yeah. and that we wanted to be like a full indictment of white liberal racism. Yeah, I mean it's pretty incredible that special. It came out um, in 2016 before the election. Yes. Um, and right. I think it feels <laughs> it feels even more relevant now watching it than it did then in, in some you. ways um i'm very proud of it yeah i mean it was pretty it was pretty out there it was pretty daring i would say you had yeah um, you had uh some famous black actors at the table with yeah, you joe you morton were... loretta divine mm-hmm. mac wilds mm-hmm. sharika epps and then uh lance reddick does mm-hmm. who was in the first one yeah comes back to do an absolutely brilliant cameo mm-hmm. in that yeah and so what and so with that one what were you aiming to to achieve because it is more it feels like more than just a comedy special in, yeah in a lot of ways well in you know in being with Janixa Bravo mm-hmm. who uh, your wife yeah well she's now my ex-wife oh. yeah but best friend and mm-hmm. collaborator still mm-hmm. uh her and I you know just seeing I, I I was always somebody who was drawn to civil rights and and uh, but I, of course, like <laughs> lived in a in a complete bubble of of uh, of privilege. Still, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and uh, and then being so intimate with somebody and you seeing how this how you know the reality of this country and how people of color are treated affects them in the most minuscule ways every day, and that you see that that's coming from people who believe themselves not to be racist, yeah. including me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I just was like, I started to really notice that like, oh, this is so deeply programmed into us. And, uh, and seeing, yeah, I just, I, and seeing that I just wanted to make something that, that put that on blast, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, and showed it in, in a, you know, expressionist, expressionistic way. Yeah. There, there's a monologue, um, that Joe Morton uh, delivers that's especially affecting i think um did you ha- what was the process of writing that like because it really does it's from his perspective um and and so how did did you work with him on that or how, how or did you just bring it to him or how did that work i just brought it to him mm-hmm. uh i love how joe morton does a monologue yeah say something you want me to say something fine i'll say something You, you people, you're not a race. You are a virus. You destroy the world. Everything beautiful you poison 
You drag us from our homes, you rape our daughters, murder our sons. You crack our spines and do all you can to break our will. You stab us. Then you put the knife in our hand and tell us it's our fault. And if you don't do it yourself, you stand by, close your eyes, and pretend there's nothing wrong. And then you pray to your God to silence our screams so that you can enjoy the happiness that we built for you with our blood. But it's not your fault. It's the only way you know how to be. And the only thing that will change anything is if another virus comes along and does to you what you do to us. And I hope that happens very soon. Wow. This evening obviously hasn't gone as I'd hoped. And I think I'm having a um, full-on panic attack right now. So I'm going to go to the bathroom and get myself together. And when I come back, I hope you don't see me as the devil. But I, you know, I feel that Mm -hmm. at times. Yeah. That, you know, it does the, 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 it, I think the content of that monologue at times when you look at what's going on in the world and what has always gone on in the world, like, is this, you know, is this somewhat, this feels true mm-hmm. at times. Uh, obviously, this is all has to do with psychology and things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, the white race isn't really a virus, but uh, it's, you know, it's, there's, there's a major problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I also wanted to show, I wanted to, you know, a big thing that going into that Jason and I really wanted to explore, like, yeah, we're two, like, white Jewish guys. Let's let's try to represent other people who are, who are different from us, from us in our writing in, in a way that, that they, uh, you know, that's not, that's something that a person of color might say mm-hmm. you know in an extreme situation in a mm-hmm. totally absurd piece <laughs> yeah coming up brett explains why he decided to take a stand and walk away from adult swim after they greenlit the alt-right sketch show million dollar extreme you alluded to this but you did have this kind of public break from adult swim yeah. um after that uh, where you announced that you weren't going to work with them anymore um I believe mostly because there was a they had a lack of projects um, helmed by women. Yeah, and um, also among that other, they had yeah. greenlit a well, show that was it was and it wasn't even like even so much about the show. It was about the activity of the people on that show mm-hmm. too. What was that? But was it was a, also about the contents. Of, I mean, and and uh, oh, I mean, just like they they were trolls. Mm-hmm. They were, it was like, kind of like they were abusing people. Show. Yeah, they were completely yeah. alt right, and uh, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I don't got time for that. Yeah, and yes, I don't think you should be put in jail, mm-hmm. but this is a business, and I don't want to be a part of a business that's employing people like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I left. It wasn't like you know it got colored that like <laughs> that there were all these <laughs> these ridiculous conspiracies of of why I had left, but I just was like, I'm like, it's like, I didn't come back mm-hmm. after they canceled and then started hiring women. Yeah. I just was like, this is bullshit and I'm out. And yeah. that's what I said. And I said, yeah, but they should start hiring women and they should cancel this show because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's toxic, especially, mm-hmm. and it's being done by bad people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, yeah. So it, it just uh, was it, that a hard decision for you because this was a place that was letting you you know make these specials like the dinner specials. It's kind of hard to imagine those existing a lot of no, other no, and and I owe Adult Swim a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they really you know not only those specials but Eagle Heart. Mm-hmm. You know, is a mm-hmm. show I'm really proud of, and that was like my first regular job on a show. Mm-hmm. You know, where I was a regular cast member. And they let, you know, they do let you uh, go for it. 
mm-hmm. I just thought I just felt like it was becoming irresponsible. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is irresponsibility, and this is too many dudes in the room, and this is a, a an industry wide problem. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say that every everything has this problem, but it was just so it was so uh, aggressive. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, I'm in this bubble. I also felt like what I was doing there was not being appreciated in the way that I wanted it to. It just is like, you know, Adult Swim is the star. Mm -hmm. You know, the network is the star. And you're like its supporting character when you put up your work there. Mm -hmm. And... It just felt it felt like it was time to grow up a little bit more for me, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And and uh, I got to do those, and and there were other ways to to take what I was saying in the show, and maybe it, it can't be in so absurd of a way uh, on cer- at certain places, but then you can still go that deep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, are there other? Um different types of uh, comedy specials that you are wanting to do or, or looking to do um, in terms of, you know, along those same lines? Yeah. Yeah. I have one in <laughs> mind. Yeah. It's also a dinner. Yeah. But, oh man, should I announce this? Should I say this here? Uh, should we drop this exclusive. here? But I haven't brought this out mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. But um, what I want to do, you know, I, I, Kanye West is very inspiring to me despite <laughs> yeah, the to a lot of people yeah yeah despite the uh whatever happened mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. which is a very complicated thing to discuss which i am in no position to discuss mm-hmm. but uh i love him you mm-hmm. know i love his work and i i uh, you know you hear about these sunday services that are mm-hmm. going on yep. and i haven't seen it but it sounds amazing yeah and uh i was like well why don't we do <laughs> friday night shabbat dinner <laughs> And not not as a parody of that, mm-hmm. uh, just inspired by that somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's I haven't great. seen it, and I don't know the yeah. contents of what happens in the show mm-hmm. even. But I always admire like how Kanye is always pulling from all of these different mediums and uh, and just bringing all these different things, you know, juxtapositions together in his mm-hmm. work and. I was like, well, maybe I can put on, especially in light of the current situation in the world where anti-Semitism mm-hmm. is growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, sure, L.A., it's fine. But, you know, you go into a lot of places in the country yeah. and you go into a lot of places in the world and I am suddenly not white. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I really want to do, like, in the way that he seems to be doing the celebration of... of uh, of black culture and black music, I want to do sort of a celebration of Jewish culture mm-hmm. in around these dinners that would be done in a gallery type space in a in a in a in avant garde way, mm-hmm. but and something ha- that yeah, you'd have uh, maybe some Jewish comic uh, guests. With I you mean, or... my my like dream would be like that. One of the things that would happen is like you know Larry David and Richard Lewis would get into <laughs> a gigantic argument at the table, <laughs> but yeah, be celebrating. Uh, I, yeah, Jewish Jewish culture through the humor in the way that uh, that Kanye's celebrating black culture yeah. through the music. I think that's a great idea. I hope yeah. I hope you can do it. Um, I'm gonna try. Yeah, you don't know where where it would live or. or... I don't know. I mean, I might start it out as just like a live thing mm-hmm. to like you yeah. know have an exclusive guest list for a while and then yeah. well, you I know would... workshop it and build it uh, and then before I start mm-hmm. inviting people to maybe film it. Yeah, well, I'll be very excited to come check. You that will be out. on the list, oh, my friend. You fantastic. will be on the list, of course. Uh, so, what I want to do now, uh, as we start to wrap up, is go through some of uh, the things that in your career that we haven't talked about. And you've obviously done so much stuff, and I think you're often uh, people talk about you as someone who's in everything at once. Um, and yeah, my so, address is uh, I write it down as television. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. Uh, so uh, I just want to do a kind of speed round where we go through these and. Uh, you can let me know if there's a story or memory that kind of jumps out uh, to you about about them. Um, so the first is uh, working with Larry David, who you mentioned on Curb Your Enthusiasm. You were yeah. the uh, famously the pig Parker. Yeah. Um, what was it like to to work with him? It was like a dream, one a dream come true, mm-hmm. dream come true. I mean, uh, it was crazy. Are you happy with that park? Yeah. What's wrong with that? 
You're way outside the line. You're taking up two spaces. I'm like uh, an inch over the line. No, you're a foot over the line. You're taking up two spaces. And the next car is also going to be taking up two spaces. Then you're going to leave. And then that car is going to get blamed. This is chaos. Society can't function like this. What? You have to be in the lines the way it's hey, supposed to be. Here's an idea. Why don't you mind your own business? Well, I suppose that's an idea. Not yeah. a very good one, though. Oh, no? Just say, you know what? I'll do better next time. I did fine. I did fine. No, that's not fine. I don't fine. need to do you better. Didn't, you didn't do fine. You no. need to do better. No, I did fine. You need to do better. That, that's just shoddy. I really give a shit what you think of my parking job, okay, pal? It's not an open field. It's not a farm, okay? Just, just park your car. Park your car between the lines. It's not that hard. Look, hey, just pull in between know, the lines. Why don't you stay between the lines of your own goddamn business, huh? Why don't you stay confined within the lines of not being an asshole? Because you're way over that line, the, all right? The only person who's the asshole here is the pig Parker. A pig Parker. Yes. So you're calling me a pig. A pig Parker. Hey, you know what? Have a real nice day. Okay, I will. I'm sure you will, too, at everyone else's expense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I will. So I show up, and I didn't audition. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I got got offered the they scene. They just said, come I, do this? I mean, I know Jeff Garland, and I... Uh, um. And I knew Jeff Schaefer of, of Berg Schaefer Mandel, mm -hmm. the like you know, best you know comedy trio writing team of all mm -hmm. you know, uh, so many things. Yeah, yeah, Seinfeld, Curb, Borat, mm. uh, yeah, incredible. So like, I knew Jeff, and I showed up, and it's like a lot of waiting, and then they're like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so I get to <laughs> set, and then Garland and Larry Charles and and. Uh, Larry David are sitting at a table and I say hi to Garland and and Larry David's texting. He's <laughs> like, Larry, I want you to meet one of the funniest guys coming up right now. This is Brett Gelman. And uh, and then Larry just like looked up at me and was like, hi, <laughs> and then went back to texting, which I I knew I, I, I just I was like, of course. Yeah. Also, being a regular on a show, when you get, if you don't know, there's so many people that he has to deal with every mm -hmm. day. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people who come to guest on shows can be quite annoying. And and they're not in the vibe, and you're in the flow of the people that you see all mm -hmm. the time. And yeah. so it's hard. It's hard to give your energy about, especially when you're somebody like him who's like manning the show and stuff like that. And so, and it was also like great because I want him, yeah. I don't want him to be yeah. like really nice. And all <laughs> That's that. exactly what you want yeah. to expect. Yeah. So, uh, so we, you know, I had to park the car. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of the scene. Yeah. So they gave me this huge truck, and I couldn't see over the hood. I couldn't see the lines of the parking <laughs> space. So it's rehearsal, and I park. I get out of the car, and he's walking to the, to the car, shaking his head. And, uh, and I think we're about to start the scene. He's like, "No, no, 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 no." You see. You parked in the uh, in the space perfectly. Yeah, that's not what you were supposed and to I do. And I looked out, and I'm like, oh no, because I, I I accidentally did that. And then he was like, he was like, you see, the whole concept of the bit <laughs> is that you park outside of the lines, and that's why I get mad at you. And I'm like, no, I I know, Larry, I'm not stupid. I'm sorry, I just couldn't see the lines. He's like, okay. So then I get in the car and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I just ruined my dream. I yeah. can't believe it. I'm having a full on panic attack. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, this is horrible. What am I going to do? Okay, you know, here's what I'll do after I'm done with this because I'm going to get cut. This scene's going to get cut. It's going to be a disaster. My agents are going to drop me, but I'll blame it on him. I'll call my agents and I'll say, <laughs> Larry David was such an asshole yeah. that I couldn't, like, I couldn't do a good job. And then I'm like, well, no, no, no. Another voice kicked in that was like, no, you have to calm down and you have to do this or you will regret it the rest of your life. So we did the first take, and this the great thing about him is that, like, as awkward as he could seem socially, and I had very limited social reaction, uh, social interaction with him, so mm -hmm. I don't know how awkward he actually is, uh, other than the few moments that we had, because it was pretty quick. Mm -hmm. uh, but he'll like break if yeah. you're being funny and they're cross covering it, you know, mm -hmm. meaning they have two cameras, yeah. shooting to catch all the improv and the reactions, and so. Uh, he will laugh. He'll break. Yeah. And that was more than any type of warm conversation that I could ha ever have. That mm -hmm. was way better. Making and so laugh. that immediately yeah. in injects you with a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if maybe he's doing that on purpose. I don't know. 
Uh, but it, and then it just went off from there and it was really great. And so we did one take and we were like laughing together. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe like I'm laughing at, with Larry David about mm-hmm. what we just did. And then we did a second take. And then at the end of that, we're laughing together and I go, oh my God, man, it's just crazy, huh? It's just crazy. I mean, we're literally arguing about nothing. And then I was like, oh no, what the fuck did I just do? <laughs> I just like said the most <laughs> cliche thing from his last show. Yeah. And then he looks at me and he goes, Yeah, well, you yeah. know, that's pretty much the basis of my whole career. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was great. Yeah. yeah. That's it great. It was really amazing. Um, you also mentioned Eagle Heart. Uh, yeah. Was Chris Elliott uh, someone who you, you know, looked up to oh, yeah. coming up? And what was it like to, to work with him? I, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, uh, I learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. He really, he made me funnier. He taught me how to be funnier, and he taught me how to be tougher. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I worshipped him growing up, like him yeah. doing Late Night and then Get a Life, I think, is one of the best shows ever made. I think Cabin Boy is an incredible piece of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, I mean, he, nobody has 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 messed with me on the level that Chris Elliott has. I mean, uh, is there an example no, of and, that? And, and uh, how, would he mess, how would he mess oh, with Oh, I you? mean, just like, you're not good. You're terrible. Everybody thinks so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you would have to play his, it was like a bit. So mm-hmm. I would be his straight man. And and I'd be like, no, people like me. You don't know what you're talking about. And he'd be like, no, 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 they don't, they don't. But it's okay. And I'm like, I'm like, no, they like me. They like me as an actor. They think I'm doing, or no, they like me as a person. They think mm-hmm. I'm doing a good job. And he's like, no, no, they like you as a person, just not as an actor. You're terrible. <laughs> but it's okay because we're all terrible. Uh, you know, I'm the best. Maria's in the middle, and uh, you're the worst. <laughs> and. No, you'd be doing like scenes and it'd be my coverage and he'd be off camera and like he'd be supposed to be reacting and like he would just be standing there with a dead face, (laughs) just shaking his head, going like thumbs down. (laughs) It was amazing. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Maybe he meant it. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, hard to know. Yeah, it's hard. No, it it is. uh, I mean, I was caught in a table. Like there's this point where my character (laughs) had his legs sawed off and... (laughs) And I had to stay in this table, and it was really hot. We mm-hmm. sh- were shooting in this like warehouse in in uh, in Santa Clarita that like had been convert, you know, had been like totally reworked into a a, a set, a, a studio stage, and, but it had no air conditioning really. They were like doing it with these hoses, but you know, it's the it's August, it's mm-hmm. not working. Yeah. So I'm sweating my ass off, and then he's like, "Oh, you know what, Brett? You smell like duty." <laughs> You smell like duty. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Come and look. Come and smell Brett. And he had like a line. The crew like formed a line behind me and were smelling my butt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but that stuff, though, it was never demean. It it always just felt like really fun and just like mean, like mean fun. And I, I, yeah, and I love it. Yeah. I love mean comedy. So, uh, And and then I went. By the time I went back to my trailer that day, he had put a pair of tidy whities in there with brown marker (laughs) rubbed in the butt of. (laughs) No, and that stuff like made me. It it taught me a lot Mm -hmm. about like being constantly funny. Yeah, and uh, and being just tough. Nobody can fuck with me now. Yeah, I, I. I can take anything because of Chris, mm-hmm. but I really I love him a lot. I love him a lot, yeah. and he and he really would he if if something was actually wrong, he would be there for you. Mm-hmm. He, he he had a big heart, and he really took care of a lot because you know any show it's hard to do, and sometimes people are not being treated in the way they should. And he always would take care of people. Yeah, he was really a leader on the show. Um, you got to appear on the uh, series finale of Mad Men, yeah, which was must have been pretty surreal. Uh, yeah, what what was what was that experience like? I wish, like, I mean, I felt like we were in this like beautiful setting, and I and there was a lot of waiting around, and I was like, "Am I dead?" I just felt like <laughs> it felt like some version of heaven or purgatory where you're mm. like, you know, very pleasant purgatory. Um, and I, yeah, it was pretty wild, like being naked. But it was, I mean, that's one of my favorite shows of mm-hmm. all time. And so even getting to be in it for a second was amazing. And uh, the weird thing was is that, like, I knew John Hamm before that. A comedy and, super fan John Hamm. Yeah, John's always around, you know, John's always around. And uh, 
and he's you know amazing mm -hmm. great guy and uh and i was like this is so weird i like looked at him once and and he was like off on his own a lot you know mm -hmm. dealing with the character where yeah. the character was at and i'm sure dealing with this massive thing that he was a part of coming to an end mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, this is so tripped out, huh? He he would check in with me though. He'd be yeah. like, how you doing, you know? And I, I'm like, this must be so tripped out for you that you're doing like the last moments of this show, and then none of your regular cast is there. <laughs> yeah, but I'm here. <laughs> he's like, yeah, isn't that weird? Pretty, and I'm naked. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, that is pretty weird. Okay, I gotta go. Uh, you know, and uh, but uh, yeah, it was wild. Um, I also wanted to ask about another period, um, yeah. which is a fun one. Yeah, um, very fun. What's, what's it like making that show? Is it, it was Shonda Rhimes' favorite show. Oh, really? The way. Yeah, she said it was her favorite <laughs> show on TV. It's unexpected. Yeah, right? But kind of <laughs> makes sense in a way. No, it doesn't. But uh, I mean, not that somebody wouldn't make that their favorite show, mm -hmm. but that she, you know. It just seems, uh, yeah. Um, I I mean, those are like, you know, so many of my old friends, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, yeah, I go incredible way, cast on that show, incredible cast. And I go way back with Natasha to Natasha's, I think one of the best comedians of all time. And I love Ricky, you know, she's incredible. And, uh, and yeah, I mean like so many of the people that I grew up with looked up to and then slightly younger than me, you mm -hmm. know, cause there's like Michael Ian Black and then there's Armin Weitzman, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like, uh, and and just yeah, it was so fun. It was crazy. It was very much like you know, felt like like beautiful chaos. Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved my character on that. Yeah. Speaking of a flawed <laughs> yeah. male character, yeah. Um, and then uh, I wanted to just touch on Stranger Things um, because yeah. that's obviously probably um, a game changer for you in some ways, just in terms of the amount of people that see that show. Big time. Is yeah. that where do you have a ton of people, new people recognizing you? Do you think from yeah. from that? Yeah. Um, and so people so are what like, is, where would you where did you come from? <laughs> like, well, I've had a bit of a career before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they think you came out of nowhere to be on Stranger Things. Yeah. No, I mean, people, yeah, I'm like that guy in that show, and now I'm, you know, Murray and Stranger, Brett Gelman and Stranger mm -hmm. Things. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. I mean, it's one of the best things that uh, I've ever worked on and seen. I, I think it's uh, an incredible, incredible show. And I, I love, I think the Duffers, you know, mm -hmm. are, have, a, they're, have a really real, very specific, original vision. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, they wrote me an incredible character. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, a, do you know about the future of that? Is your, is your, uh... I don't, I don't, they keep it very secret, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping sure. that I'm a part of it. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I love the show. I mm -hmm. think it's, I think I, I love it as much as everybody else does. Yeah. And, uh, and I really like wanted to, like when I first got, I was, I mean, that's like, it's kind of like a, it's one of my dreams. You know, mm. I grew up watching Spielberg movies mm. and I wanted to be the like com comedic character yeah. in the Spielberg movie. And uh, this is the closest that, you know, I think you could get to it. Even, I don't think you would get that even working with Spielberg now. Cause, yeah, you know, cause it's, he, he's doing such different kind yeah, of Yeah, his, his style changed. I mean, you know, and it's amazing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't turn down a Spielberg. Oh, no, uh, I'm not movie. knocking Steven Spielberg. I think, I think his new stuff is is uh, you know completely special and and genius too. But uh, it's just different. It's not it's not like like it was in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So and and the Duffers have their com have a completely original thing. I don't think they're ripping anybody off. And in, in the way that they borrow, it's like they borrow it in in a way and then filter it through them mm -hmm. and their take on it. And, yeah. Uh, and it's just so, it's such a, it's just a, such a blast. It was fun getting to work on that and Fleabag because I think there are a lot of similarities between the two shows and the making of the two shows oh, really? in the way that, yeah, that both creators are never satisfied and they're always, you know, they're never resting on their laurels. They're never, you know, they, and they have such a distinct vision of what it is mm -hmm. that you feel like almost like religious and serving and uh and then also both shows feel like this like tight-knit family mm -hmm. it's funny when you're working on stranger things it doesn't feel like this gigantic behemoth yeah you know even good. if you're on like a carnival set <laughs> it still feels like okay how do we get this like you know like you're working it's mm -hmm. great yeah uh so the final thing that we do on the show is i ask everyone what the last thing that made you laugh really hard is if there's something you can think of uh something you saw 
on TV or in the movies or on stage? Uh, just something that, that made you laugh uh, that you could recommend to, to somebody else. Oh, wow. Oh, you know what? I love that uh, Tim Robinson show. Yeah. That is really... Uh, I think that's been mentioned uh, yeah. more, more, on, more on this show yeah, than anything no, I know. else because it and, is and, so incredible. Yeah, and I'm really... Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's fantastic. I think he's really... Yeah, it's incredible. He's yeah. so, so funny. I love what... I think I heard him say that he like he always loved the later sketches on SNL mm. when he was there. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so brilliant. Yeah, and it's that, like a whole th- show of the later sketches. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it makes me it makes me laugh really hard. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I will see you at Friday Shabbat. I hope. I hope so too. Um, I know and, uh, this was a lot of fun. Now people so. can't steal it, steal the nope, idea from nope, me. No, nope. yeah, you know, yeah, you'll know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Everyone will know. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, buddy. Thank you again to Brett Gelman. If you haven't already, you can watch Fleabag, which is nominated for eleven Emmys right now on Amazon Prime Video. And of course, Stranger Things Season 3 is streaming on Netflix as well. If you enjoy this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and edited by Mackenzie Mazell. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.